G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us a message from the Gospel of John called The Purpose of Gethsemane. You know, in a way, we all sort of face Gethsemanes in life. And by that, I mean times when it seems like the whole world is closing in on us. Times of ultimate stress. You know, when you don't understand what's happening to you, always fall back on what you do understand. I hope you understand and believe that God has a plan for your life. This is the day when the lost are found. the Lord thinking the Christian life is all smooth sailing, never a cloud in the sky or a rogue wave to rock our boat. That's an incorrect assumption of the Lord, because He doesn't promise perfect weather, but He does walk with us in the midst of the storm. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie shows us how we can be ready for those times of challenge as we follow the example of Jesus as He faced an extreme challenge. Have you ever felt cut off? Have you ever felt as though your friends abandoned you or that you were completely misunderstood? Have you ever been extremely lonely? Maybe even when surrounded by people. Maybe even now. If so, you have a faint idea of what Jesus Christ went through as he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, in a way, we all sort of face Gethsemanes in life. And by that I mean times when it seems like the whole world is closing in on us. Times of ultimate stress in which the cup that we are supposed to drink seems to be too much to bear. Where we feel like we can't go on another day. Maybe that's even describing someone listening to me right now. You're in your personal Gethsemane. Well, Jesus here in the verses before us shows us what to do in times of uncertainty. Look, we cannot always know the will of God in every given situation. And then there are times we know the will of God and frankly, we don't like it. And there are other times when we know the will of God and it frankly doesn't make any sense. I think if you interviewed Joseph when he was in prison on false charges after being accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, he would say, this is making no sense to me. If you interviewed Job uh, right after all that affliction came upon him, he would probably say, this isn't making a lot of sense to me right now. And maybe you're at that in-between stage in life. But listen to this, we must never be afraid to place an unknown future into the hands of a known God. 
You know, when you don't understand what's happening to you, always fall back on what you do understand. And here's what I hope you understand, or at least what you believe. I hope you understand and believe that God loves you. I hope you understand and believe that God has a plan for your life. I hope that you know and understand that God is not surprised by anything that has come in your life. It is, as my friend Randy Alcorn likes to say, father filtered. Father filtered. What does that mean? It means either God did it or God allowed it. Either God did it or God allowed it. And so here we see what is happening to Jesus as he is facing the future. Now here's the difference between, there's so many differences between Jesus and us, but here's one obvious one. He was God in human form and he knew the future. I don't know about you, but I would not necessarily want to know the future. Uh, nor would I want to know what everyone really thinks about me. And Jesus did, by the way. He'd even call people out on it. Hey, why are you thinking this in your mind right now? And they're like, how do you know? Because he's God. Uh, that would be very disillusioning to have someone complimenting you and you really see what they're thinking about you, right? And so here in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus literally suffering. Suffering so badly that he's effectively sweating blood. This next to the cross was the lowest moment, most likely, in the life of Jesus. It certainly was the loneliest moment of his life. And know this, Jesus was the loneliest man who ever lived. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, because he, for a time, was separated from the Father as he bore the sin of the world, causing him to cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So just know, if you're lonely, you're not alone. And Jesus knows what it's like to go through that because as I said, we'll all go through those personal Gethsemanes in life when things are not making sense. And so let's look now at what happened to Jesus as he went to the cross for each of us. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane, it's fascinating because some significant things happened in gardens in the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, man sinned. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus conquered sin. In the Garden of Eden, Adam hid himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord boldly presented himself. In the Garden of Eden, the sword was drawn. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the sword was sheathed. And so at this point, chronologically, in our studies in John, Jesus has preached his last sermon. He's had his last meal. Uh, and he has also prayed a beautiful prayer that we looked at last time from John chapter 17 where he prayed for us. Now we come to John 18. I'm gonna read verses one to 11. I'd like you to read with me if you would please. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. You might underline that. And he stepped forward to meet them. And he asked, what are you looking for? They asked, Jesus of Nazareth, I am, said Jesus 
And Judas had betrayed him was standing there. And Jesus said, I am. And they all drew back and fell to the ground. And once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, verse eight, I told you that I am. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those that you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? We'll stop there. Wow, powerful narrative, isn't it? So there is a gap between verses one and two. It is filled in by accounts from the other gospels. Matthew tells us at this point that Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, stay here and watch with me. What an honor. To be asked by Jesus to be with him at this crucial moment of his life. Thanks for joining us on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting a message called The Purpose of Gethsemane. And in our text, Jesus had just asked Peter, James, and John to stay with him the night before his crucifixion. Let's continue. Notice he did not say, explain this to me, because Jesus did not need an explanation. He didn't say, preach to me, because Jesus did not need to hear a sermon. He just said, stay with me. You say, but why? Because he was lonely. Because he was in agony. Because he was in pain, and he just wanted someone there with him. Here's what you need to know about someone you know who's suffering. Maybe they found out they have cancer. Maybe they just lost a loved one. Maybe something traumatic has happened to them. And you say, I want to go help them. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. It's nothing. Because a lot of times in our attempts to comfort, we can actually make it harder for a person. Because we don't know what it's like. I mean, you know, you'll say, oh, I know what you're going through. You know, it's crazy what people will say. Trust me when I tell you this. Uh, when you lose a loved one, I've had people say, well, I know what it's like. You know, we, uh, my grandmother died. Well, you know, I'm sure that's very hard, but, you know, losing a grandmother is not the same as losing a child. So don't say, I know what you're going through. Just say, I'm sorry this happened. I have a friend uh, who his, their child died, and someone literally came up and said, I know what you're going through. Our dog just died. Really? You would have been so much better if you actually said nothing than to say something like that. People don't always need an explanation. And in fact, you probably don't know what's going on with them anyway. But here's what they can use a lot of times, just a friend. Someone to just say, man, I, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I don't know why this is happening to you, but I want you to know I'm here for you. And I'll be praying for you. And is there anything I can do for you? That's really all Jesus was asking for. Remember the story of Job? All that tragedy befell him. And we read that his friends came to visit him, three of them. He was covered in boils, head to toe, scraping himself with a fragment of broken pottery. And they were so stunned they just wept with him and sat with him for seven days without saying a word. And you know what? That was a perfect thing to do. Just be with Job. In fact, when, when they started talking is when the trouble began. So just being with people. Because people will say things that are supposed to help. Like, I know how you feel when maybe you don't. Or, well, there's a reason for everything. 
Not a really good thing to say to a person. There's always someone worse off than you. Really? Is that supposed to help people say things like this? Or how about this one? You know what? When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. You know what? Not only is that not biblical, it's just lame. Don't say that. Well, you know, when the going gets tough, shut up. Don't finish it. Just don't. Please, don't quote song titles to me. Just be there. Don't worry. Be happy. Okay, now I'm going to kill you. Maybe with lemons. I don't know. Just being there. Jesus was in agony. I don't think we understand how hard this was for Jesus. Uh, over in Matthew 26, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mark's gospel tells us of Jesus in Gethsemane, he fell to the ground and prayed, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Evidently, Jesus was in such agony, he cast himself to the ground. He would stand up and fall again to the ground in prayer. And in one of the most dramatic descriptions of the suffering of Jesus in Gethsemane, Luke writes, bringing us to Luke 22, hopefully you turn there, verse 41, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Again, Jesus being God, knew the future in vivid detail. He knew he would be denied by the one he had perhaps invested the most in, Simon Peter. He knew he would be the object of Peter's shame and the cause of his cursing. He knew that he would be rejected by his own people, Israel, that he came to save. As scripture says, he came into his own and his own received him not. He had wept over their unbelief. Now he would witness it in full force. He knew that the disciple whom he loved was about to betray him with a kiss, Judas Iscariot. He knew he would be tried in their kangaroo court of injustice and subjected to unfair treatment, ironically, all in the name of God. And the worst of all, Jesus, who had been in constant communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now would have to bear all the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And that is why Jesus said, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. If there's any other way, please let's find it. But of course, there was no other way. He who was holy, righteous and pure, would have to take upon himself everything that was unholy, unrighteous, and impure. And everything in his 30 short years on earth was effectively building to this event. He knew it was coming. In fact, he began to aggressively address it at a place called Caesarea Philippi. And there at, uh, in Matthew 16, we read, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly and he had to go to Jerusalem. He told them what would happen to him. He would suffer at the hands of the leaders and the leading priests. He would be killed and raised again on the third day. Man, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, guys, listen very carefully. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be tried on false charges before the religious leaders. I'm going to be killed and I'll rise again on the third day. They're like, uh, what? It's funny, it just kind of went over their heads. They didn't seem to get it. But he was being very clear as to what was going to come down. 
and uh, he came to taste death for everyone, according to Hebrews 2.9. Now, Mark gives us a little interesting detail, Mark's gospel. He says, as Jesus is in Gethsemane, he says, Abba, Father. We don't want to miss that. Because Abba, Father, is sort of the Hebrew equivalent of saying, Daddy. If you go to Israel today, you'll see the little children calling out to their daddies, Abba, Abba, or to mom, Ima. So it's, that's the affectionate cry of a Hebrew child. It's not just father, father dearest, it's daddy. And so Jesus says, Abba, Father, there in the garden. And there was this cup. What was this cup? He didn't want to drink. Isaiah calls it the cup of his fury. Have you ever tasted anything that just turned your stomach? Maybe taking a big gulp and then spit it out again? The other day, uh, Kathy found like chocolate milk on the floor in our house. She's saying, where did this chocolate milk come from? It's just there and there was like a cushion on top of it. She said, how did this happen? Very suspicious. So she asked the grandkids, did any of you spill chocolate milk? No, no, we didn't. And so she went to Christopher, our grandson, said, did you spill chocolate milk? No, no. And then he said, but maybe a little boy drank some chocolate milk and it was spoiled and so he spit it out. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and maybe, he says, he put a cushion on top of it to cover it up. <laughs> it's like a confession, but not totally, right? But I love that. I think what happened was there was some chocolate milk in our fridge from a decade ago. No, I don't know how old it was, but apparently he took a drink and it was bad. It was spoiled. You know, see, if you've ever done that big gulp, this is bad, right? Well, Jesus has to drink this cup. What is this cup? Listen, it's the cup of the wrath of God. That's Pastor Greg Laurie with some great insight on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg has more insight for us as he continues this important study. We'll be looking to Jesus to learn how we're to respond in our own times of pressure. But before we go, Pastor Greg has a final comment to share with us from today's message. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Purpose of Gethsemane. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-005011 or at visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.